When I was approached to uh, speak on this text from Jeremiah, uh, the second reading came to mind as well as really two sides of a coin that I would like to share with you. One of the things that I have discovered as I travel is that it is wonderful to be a Canadian. And somehow, when I come home and the aircraft lands at Pearson, it has such a wonderful feeling to know that this is my country where I was born and raised, and I'm really privileged to be a part of it. This is the place that I call home. I've also discovered that many people would like to make Canada their home as well. We have a wonderful reputation throughout the world as being a welcoming people, but a place where people can grow and develop with freedom and security, without living in terror, or without living with all kinds of problems that many people around the world face on a day-to-day -day basis. But sometimes I wonder if we really take a lot of this for granted. Some people have asked me, so what does it take to become a citizen of Canada? And I didn't really know all the answers until I went online to Immigration Canada. I began to look a few things up, and it's quite a process. And some of you who have been naturalized as Canadians understand all the issues you have to face. And one of the things I discovered is you have to pass an exam. I am not sure how many Canadians could pass the exam, so I'm going to give you three trial questions. These might not be the ones you get, but here's the first one. Who are the founding peoples of Canada? There are three groups. The second question, who do Canadians vote for in a federal election? Don't tell me it's your political party. <laughs> and the third question is, what are the three parts of a Canadian parliament? A lot of people know two. They don't know that there's a third part to the Canadian parliament. I've also discovered that some people actually hold dual citizenship. You ha have a, a passport from one country and another. And sometimes you use one passport to get in, and sometimes you use the other passport just to get out. As Christians, this is what Paul tells us in Philippians 3. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now, it's also a realistic statement to say that there are some people amongst the people of God who do not have a really positive perspective on our world, the place where we presently live. I heard a song, it's not part of my tradition, but I heard this song, and this is one verse from that song. It's an old song, so probably some of you have never heard it before, maybe that's good. But these are the words, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up, somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me. I never knew angels beckoned us to heaven, but apparently they do, according to this songwriter. From heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Well, if you can't feel at home here, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Where are you going to go? And so some people have the idea that this world in which we live does not matter very much. If we look at what's going on in Japan right now, a lot of us are really concerned about the future and what's going to happen to that nation, but also to the other nations around the world 
as a result of some of the fallout. But some have this idea that this world doesn't matter very much because we are citizens of heaven. And we don't have to worry about being citizens of the earth. I want to suggest to you this morning that the biblical writers have really a different perspective. And the two texts that were read maybe will help us to understand that there are these two sides of one coin. So Paul writes these words in Philippians 3. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when Paul was writing this letter, he was writing to the Christians in Philippi, which had become a colony of Rome. And the Romans had sent their citizens to live there. They were going to populate this city. And they would live and grow and have their families and settle down and make it their home. But there were also Christians living in that city of Philippi. And he says to them, you too are a colony, but you are a colony of heaven on earth. And what he said is we await for the day eagerly when our citizenship in heaven will be a reality that we fully enjoy. So in the meantime, we wait as citizens till the day the king comes and he takes us home. And that's why Paul had a struggle inside of himself. And he writes these words. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for me to remain in the body. So what Paul is telling us is that he desires to depart and to be with Christ. It is his desire, but in reality he is not there yet. God has not called him home. So what is he going to do in the meantime? He says, well, I'm going to have a very positive attitude. And I'm going to use the days that God gives me here in a very creative way. And so he wants to live creatively. What will he do? He says, I will serve the people that God has given to me. He said, I want to help you in your joy and progress in the Lord. The second thing he says is I want to be able to share the gospel as God has given me a voice to speak. And so he said, as I am in this prison, everybody knows the reason why I am in chains. And the story tells us, at least through historical legend, that though he was chained to a soldier day after day, they continually rotated the guard because they were all being converted listening to him. And then he says, I want to fulfill the goal that God has given to me. He said, I press on toward the prize of the high calling. And the high calling is that God is going to use these experiences of life where I am to shape and form me. And I want to be committed so that I become more and more the person God intended me to be from the moment he first thought of me. And that is that we become like his son. I think it's helpful to see ourselves today as a colony of heaven here on earth. 
But the second text from Jeremiah speaks about something else. The people are in exile. They long with all of their hearts to be able to return to Jerusalem. And in the midst of these people, there are prophets, and some of them are false prophets. And the false prophets say to the people in exile, don't worry about it. Don't get yourself bent out of shape. God is going to rescue you. It will probably happen very soon. Things are going to settle down. Just wait, and in no time at all, you will be back in Jerusalem. And then comes Jeremiah. And Jeremiah has a totally different message. He said to the people, take a look. You are in exile, but you are still citizens of Jerusalem. You are in exile, but you are still citizens of Jerusalem. But here's the message. You're not going back to Jerusalem soon. In fact, you're going to have to wait at least 70 years. So what are you going to do while you're in exile? He says, remember this. You are a colony of God's people of Jerusalem. You are living in Babylon, but you are a colony of Jerusalem. So what are you going to do while you live in Babylon? Well, the first thing he says here is this. Don't be negative. Start to build houses. Get married. Have families. Plant a garden. Plant a vineyard. Do you know how long it takes for a vineyard to grow? It doesn't happen overnight. And then he says these words to them about not being negative in the place where you are. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. For if it prospers, you too will prosper. It's not your home. It's not what you're, where you're going to eventually end up. But it's where God has placed you in this moment of time to live as a colony of Jerusalem. And so as we think about our own lives today, and as we are coming to the end of even this semester, and we wonder what's next, we need to understand that God has placed us where we are in this moment of time for his special purposes. We all know that there are lots of problems in our world, but it is still God's world. We are here as the people of God, and we have an important role to play in the place where we are. We are to live as constructive citizens. We are to seek the peace and we are to pray for it. That's why Paul even writes these words. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings, and for all those in authority, that we may lead peaceful lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God. We are temporary citizens of the world. But we are the people who bring the world and all of its needs before God. I think this is what it also means to be salt of the earth and light of the world. And so what do we do? We pray and we work together. 
for God's peace and justice in this world where we live. This is part of our ministry as priests of God. So where are you right now? How do you view life as you are called to live? Are you in a setting that God has placed you in? It's quite possible it's going to change over time. Your life, your work, the people that you interact with every day might be very temporary, but it's also very real. And all of this needs to matter to us because it matters to God. And to this task, living in the here and now, we give ourselves gladly as a colony of heaven living here on the earth. Over the years, I've gotten to know a little bit about the Celts. And they really celebrated God's presence in all of life. And they wanted to have God at the very center of all that they did. And so as we come to the table this morning, we're going to sing a song. It will be new to some of you, but it's very easy to learn. But this song speaks about God being the center of my life where we are, right here and now. And we invite him to come and to guide us, that he would give us his peace. And as we experience the peace of God, we extend this to the world in which we live.